It is a wintry summer's... Summer? Bollocks, we'll start that again. Wintry summer's evening, I nearly said. That's good. Mm. It is a wintry Sunday evening here as November rolls in. First Chair Shop podcast of the month. I'm your host, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, Mr. Paul Griffin. Oh, yeah. And also, Mr. Joe Towder. Suck it! How are you doing, lads? Are you being battered by the miserable weather, uh, just as I am? Uh, things are pretty grim here. It's been raining non-stop all weekend. It's very, very cold. Uh, we're in that time of year where the heating's gone on, boys. The heating has gone on. So, um, Actually, the weather was quite nice this morning. It was quite bright. Um, but yeah, it's been side raining this afternoon. Raining a lot today. Luckily, we're inside, cosy and warm, with the old heating on. How about you, Paul? Uh, I have really left the house, so I don't know what the weather is like. Um, I did go to the shop and it was raining, so I can confirm at one point that mm-hmm. that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the the clocks went back. So there's uh, less of an hour difference between us and the Yanks, mm-hmm. which was nice for uh, staying up to watch the UFC for the very last time. My official. Why the very? I, I just decided. I said this is the last time I'm ever doing this. I'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. Because say that now. Well, yeah. <laughs> There'll be some big fight. With I'm a very fickle man. Bob so. Diaz and fucking yeah, you're you like well, well, lads. Oh, don't talk a good fight. Oh, you're like oh well, Steve Hold Smith <laughs> is, is is facing um, Shooter Sherman um, at, at UFC 2004, <laughs> um, and the winner has been right. giving a given a cow with UFC branded on the side of it. Yeah, and the winner, the winner is getting, the winner is getting the trying his hardest belt, uh, <laughs> which is awarded by Ray Romano. So I'll have to tune in for that one. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The irony of you know the whole the snowflake generation. Everyone just wants a trophy, and then you know Donald Trump attending Dana White's little fake belt procession. Um, well, what is that? What is it? God, don't make me explain it. It's like the internet title or the yeah, the million dollar title. Oh, that's so stupid! It's it, not real, but it's it's even stupider because it's you know by its nature is an inherently lame belt. It's the bad motherfucker title, BMF, and they had the Rock come out to his music. With the belt to present it. Oh, it was mad. I wish I wish they had given the rights to the music. I wish I wish someone fought about it. So I we I set up last night for the show. It was actually quite a good show. Um but in the lead up, in one of the earlier fights, my brother just quipped like, Oh, that would be great. If this stupid belt fight ended with some shy doctor stoppage or something. And their whole, you know, fiasco blows up in their face. I said, oh, that'd be brilliant. And then that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, good. 
<laughs> in a sense. Oh, the whole thing was so rubbish. It was so rubbish. It was like, do you know when, uh, like in wrestling, uh, they'll botch the finish and the babyface will be all mad about winning? It was that. And he's been given his little fake belt. <laughs> the two of them are like, oh, this is bollocks, lad. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. So, yeah. So, I stayed up for that. Um, first time I was able to stay up for it in a while without being super tired. Probably because, as I mentioned, the time difference wasn't quite so bad. I think it finished around half four. Uh, rather than, like, six. Which is when these mm. things normally end. So, I... I got, got me got me sleep, woke up about 11. So I'm not too fucked by staying up until the wee hours in the morning. Like I would tend to be. Um, that's really all. We had no show last week, by the way, folks. Sorry about that. Um, I was sick was one of the reasons. And I'm still a bit sick. I don't know if either of you guys have been sick in the week. Um, I sort of perpetually this time of year I'm just perpetually fighting a cold um, which is probably reflected in my voice uh, but I tell you what that's uh, first time since like my, my child years I got a flu shot this week uh-huh. um, and obviously the thing they always say when you get that is that it may bring the flu upon you uh, but I'm doing pretty good so I, I'm immune now to all illnesses forever it's good it feels pretty good and is that an in the arm shot Ah, uh, yes, okay. yeah. Not around the old arsehole cheek. Wait, I, I've, never, I've never got an injection in the arse. I just want to say that. Well, neither have I. You're the one who brought it up. But they, there are injections Wait. that go in the bum cheek. Which ones? I don't know, but I've seen them on TV. You've seen them? When you're being, when you're being like, certainly not a flu, certainly not a flu okay, shot. When I you're don't being, know. Is, is your GP like, so, uh, Paul... <laughs> Uh, uh, what I need to do is I just pull the pop pads down. No, no, it's very serious. It's very serious. Uh, don't pay attention to those. Uh, let's call the medical students in the background. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm, I've definitely seen an injection given to a bum cheek. I don't actually know that I've even seen it. I, I'm aware of it tangentially. I'm sure it happens. Listeners, have you got an injection? Sh- shooting up. No, 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 by a doctor, though. Was it a doctor? Uh, someone Google this, quick. <laughs> I think if you get, like, if you're going abroad and yeah, you have well, to maybe. get certain inoculations, I think sometimes they do it in the old, like the ding-dong. But, uh, oh, sorry, hang on, I've never got an injection in the ding-dong. That's surely the next step. No, near, well, depends what you're getting inoculated against, really. <laughs> Okay, hang on. I've Googled here. Okay, what types of shots do medical professionals give in the buttocks and why? <laughs> wow. Uh, injection into buttocks are given intramuscularly. Ooh. The most common circumstances are those when something needs to be given outside the hospital that can't be given orally. Well, it can't be given orally. Better go around the back door. That's not the first time that's happened in MedLab, let me tell you. Because it won't be absorbed well. Common examples include adrenaline, uh, EpiPen for anaphylaxis, yeah. which is an emergency and should be. Wait, I have I have pals who use an EpiPen. They don't get it up the. They don't, what? Uh, also for vitamin B twelve, apparently. 
because the body can't absorb vitamin B12 properly, so it has to be replaced via a different route, and the IM injection is convenient and easy. Vaccinations also tend to be given in this way because many will be inactivated by stomach acid enzymes. There you go. So, shake that in the poll was right. Um, category. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Uh, so that, that was one of the highlights of my week. The injection not in the arse, in the arm. <laughs> I don't know that I ever got a flu injection. Uh, yeah, I was. I, I had to fill out a consent form, and one of the questions was, "Have you ever had this before?" And I checked yes, just because I believe I used to get them when I was in school, yeah. but certainly not in my adult life. I don't think since I was twelve years old, I don't think I've had a flu vaccine. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? That the three of us are, give or take a couple of years, are you know early thirty-year-olds. You think we'd know these kind of things, and yeah, I find yeah. at the age of thirty-one. That if someone asked me to fill out a form, did you already have a flu shot? I would have to write on it, I don't know. I know yeah, I've had shots, I couldn't tell you what they were. And definitely a couple of years ago, it's like, oh, you remember all the little things like that. Oh, yeah, you remember I went to the doctor for this in 2011. Oh, yeah, of course I did, yeah. Whereas now, the brain's going, boys. The brain is going. It's all that brain we all eat, I think. I did have a moment the other week, and I don't have them often. You know when you hear people, you know, after a certain age, sure, you don't even remember what age you are. I've never had that. I've always been very aware, whether I'm 26, 27, 28. But I did tell someone the other day uh, that I had done something for my 30th birthday. And then I went, oh, no, 31. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most depressing one to make. <laughs> I, I know, I just, actually, I was like that, but I did, I think... My entire 26th year on this planet, I think I constantly introduced myself as 25, yeah. if, whenever anyone asked. Um, yeah, so I so, so God, my brain's really starting to go. Um, it must be all them, you know, chair shots to the head I, I love taking in my, in my spare time. Um, but uh, i tell you what else I did this week. I've had a very uneventful week, other than the trip to OTT, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, I made... Uh, a purchase this week. Now on this show a lot we like to talk about our movies and our video games and our gadgets and our little tablets and oh bitty bitty boo I made a great purchase this week lads. I haven't received it yet but I bought an Eco Straw right? I have no idea what that is So EcoStraw.ie It's a straw of some kind I believe It is a reusable foldable metal straw Okay. Okay. Uh, it's Foldable. it's reusable in the name of helping uh, all them little things what live in the sea that I like. Um, name one I'm thing. Thinking, name one thing in the sea that you like. Salmon. <laughs> you hear <laughs> you? Oh man! And you're not going to get me, right? You're not going to get me because I don't even like eating fish. So actually, I'm doing loads of th- stuff for the river. No, the whole ocean. So what do you like then? What the way they look? That they are that they are God's creatures and deserve to exist, Paul. Okay. So I'm not eating them, and now I'm going to be reusing my straw. All right. So if, if there was a fish here, I would just kick it to death, just out of spite. <laughs> it's not because you're too much of a coward to go in the sea and get one. All right. Ah. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know what that insult means, but I like. I, like... I was. I, I was quite conflicted, you know, because I was like, I think I, I can't remember if I said this to you on, I think I might have said this on the show. It's like, I'd like the environment to be taken care of and all that. Okay. But 
Paper straws are rubbish, right? They, they are. are rubbish. They are they, shit. They're, they're yeah. terrible. And, uh, right, big business, uh, like Odeon and McDonald's, two places I love to go all the time, um, they they now just have paper straws. And I'm like, well, this is dreadful. I, I, I you know, I, I can't drink with these. Like, when I go to Odeon, a paper straw does not last the duration of a film. It just doesn't. Oh, uh, yeah. Not like 10 minutes. Yeah, the, the 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 sharp bit where you put it in the top of the cup, that cuts it, and then it, it, it gets all uh, withered at the tip where you suckle at it. Uh, it's rubbish. So, but I was like, but I, I, I still like, I don't want to bring plastics. I'm not going to buy plastic straws and bring them in. So there's this thing someone at work told me about. Uh, she has it. It's a metal straw. It folds in half, and then it goes into this little tube. It almost, it almost looks like a little e-cigarette thing. It's a little metallic cylinder, and it's small enough that it goes on the end of your keys. So you bring it with you. You always have have it on you whenever you leave the house, and you whip it out. You stick it in your McDonald's Coke, and then you you uh, you, you just give it a quick rinse under the tap, and you, you pop it back in, and you're away to go. So that's been, uh, so. Next week, hopefully, depending on how quick delivery is, we're going to have a metal straw review, right on this. Uh, on this podcast to kick off my new feature, Eco Guff, right? Mm, I think Michelle, Michelle, have you got a metal straw? Yes, no, plastic. No, she got plastic, like, but like hard plastic, hard plastic. not disposable plastic. Well, that's so. Can we? I'll, I'll review one of them. What I do so, is Michelle, I, I just drill a hole in a fish and suck it through the fish. Uh, mm. 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 Anyway, that's my life. Not good. How much was this straw, by the way? Uh, tenner. Tenner for sure. <laughs> that's for the, the straw, the hold the holder, which is the keychain part, and oh, uh, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. reuse. You need a holder. You need a holder for the straw. Well, that's the thing. Because I was like, gonna, especially because it, it attaches to my keys. Because I will categorically, I can say keys. for a, he's got a straw on his keys. Yeah. Because, hang on, no. who is who is ever going to remember to grab their so I can barely remember to bring my keys, my phone, my wallet, right? I'm not gonna go. go I'm not gonna as I go out the door to work in the morning. Go, oh, let me just tap my pockets. Uh, uh, phone, uh, wallet, straw. Yeah, of course. No, <laughs> presumably you would need to bring it to work with you though. But no, but sometimes I get my if because I finish work at five and traffic is just absolutely bonkers from where I live to where I work, so I don't get home into the city centre until around 6. Ah, yeah, that's fair, so, that's fair. If I'm getting my Mickey D's, I'm getting that on the way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and likewise, Odeon, if, if a film I like, or I'm interested in, syncs up with my finishing work, I'll just pop over to, you know, kill two hours and let the traffic dissipate. Hmm. So I, I do find myself just kind of on a whim deciding to go to these places. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on that uh, uh, next week. And that's the thing... Do you, like, do you also have a reusable sort of knife, fork, spoon? But I don't think you actually eat anything that requires cutlery. So no, you see, that's I do have a reusable pizza slicer. I mean, that's good. <laughs> Wait, they do disposable pizza slicers? Actually, no, I don't think they do, and that makes <laughs> you just be throwing them all. So, so what I have is a pizza slicer. <laughs> I have oh, some. Uh, cutlery that I take with me it's uh, me fingers I have five in each hand mm. they're portable and you don't even have to wash them after you eat <laughs> you don't no <laughs> you don't <laughs> uh, so that's my life uh, Joe tell me about your life though 
Um, very exciting week, as as uh, long term listeners will know. I've been in the process of looking for and purchasing a house. Yeah. Um, we finally completed that this past Monday. So all the money was sent from us and the bank to the fellow what owned the flat before. Uh, and then we got the keys. Um, so I had a couple of days off this week. We were kind of gradually moved in, did most of it on uh, Tuesday and then had just so much stuff. I mean, we were, we were only in like a little tiny one bed flat, but we had so much stuff. I don't know what, how we fit, fitted it all in. Mm. Um, we, we moved all across now, uh, spent today unpacking all the final bits. So everything is done now. Um, all the furniture's out, been reassembled. Uh, and yeah, it's all good. There's a few bits we need to buy, uh, but luckily the house is was pretty much kind of ready to move in. There's not really anything major we needed to do to it, um, so that's that's very handy. It's still very stressful though, trying to pack up all your stuff, trying to break down your IKEA furniture and make sure you don't lose all the screws and the Allen keys and everything, so you can actually put it back together. Yeah, and getting it over. We don't live too far from the last place. It's about three miles, but. Um, yeah, it was a lot of effort, a lot of stress, but uh, it's done now. We're in. We're homeowners. We're on the ladder. Go on. Um, we're in the one percent. So <laughs> time to start start voting Tory. Obviously, <laughs> uh, luckily, luckily, there's an election coming along in a month. So you... Oh, lovely, lovely. That's actually just the question they put on the ballot. Like, do you own a house? Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Have you uh, climbed on the ladder and do you want to sod everyone else? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> ah, well done. Congrats. Yes. <coughs> Thank you very much. Hopefully we'll be next. We're still in the saving process. So we'll probably yeah. be another, another talking year. Talking about so yourself, not me, by the way. Huh? I said you're talking about yourself and Natalia, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Like Although, Barry, if you do want to contribute, that would probably help and speed up the process, and you can live with us. Joking, he's spending tenors on metal straws. Never buying a house. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Uh, well, Natty actually bought a nice new phone there as well. Um, a Samsung something or other. And me with my 140 euro prepay uh, Huawei, I've got a little bit of one of uh, Moses's commandments: uh, don't covet your neighbor neighbor's phone. And I'm doing <laughs> it real bad. Mm. It is a very nice phone with a big old screen. And then I look at my shit little phone. Oh. Wait, what, what one did she get? Oh, I don't know, some Samsung. Okay, it's yeah, it's it looks brilliant. And then like, yeah. oh, I I purposely went out to buy the cheapest shittest phone I could. Because I really only use mine for Spotify podcasts and that Pokemon Go, of course. <laughs> but, uh. Oh, I'm like the best player in the world at this stage, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> of the four people remaining. Um, mm-hmm. It does look bloody nice, though. So we'll see. Maybe. Mm, I believe there is a, a jolly red. Uh, clothed man coming around to her house next month so maybe he might bring me one if I'm good mm. so that's the deal um, yeah. that's the, uh, the old life golf there this life week golf. and also I got a haircut oh so you're, you're living your best life you're looking sharp yeah. oh yeah absolutely um, 
What more, what more doth a man need? Um, let's jump forward. I'll tell you what else a man needs. He needs some entertainment, oh, right? Yeah. That's true. And that, Paul, mm. right? Uh, what have you been watching? I've been watching a lot of telly this week, Barry. Would you believe? I would believe that. Because I'm not much of a telly watcher, truth be told. Um, I've watched a lot of telly, and I have watched any movies. So I'm, I'm living life backwards for these last two weeks. Um, I finished Disenchantment, season two. Hey. Big uh, step up from season one, so thumbs up from me. Uh, I liked it a lot. I like that they... That it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a more straightforward story that goes throughout the entire season rather than standalone episodes. Um, I liked also that they gave characters kind of a place to be and a thing to do when the episode doesn't center around them. So, like, imagine if in, in season one of The Simpsons that they had never set up that Wiggum is the police officer. He's just a, a guy. Mm. And then in season two, he like gets a job at the police station. They do that with certain characters so that they have kind of a, a more clearly defined role and that the, the series can kind of fit into a more conventional sitcom within the fantasy, you know, framework. Um, but yeah, I, li- I liked it a lot more in season one. Season one, I, I wasn't super hot on. I still think that the, the things I didn't like about season one, i.e. some of the characters, are still not great and are still kind of the weakest part of the series. But overall, I thought it was it, it was quite good. Um, so, thumbs up on Disenchantment season two for me. And it was a really easy watch. There's only 10 episodes on Netflix, 25 minutes each or so. So you can breathe. I'll uh, get to that soon. Yeah, that's good. I think I think you'll enjoy it. I think I think generally it's funnier as well, which is kind of important for a comedy series kind of yeah kind of a bit um i also started watching inside number nine um uh starting from season one although i believe that the the latter half of season one isn't great or so i've heard Uh, i've watched the first three episodes only so i watched um sardines i don't remember what second one was called with the it's kind of like a silent movie break-in, that one. Yeah. And I watched the third one about the the guy who brings the homeless man into his apartment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed all three of them. I think there's definitely kind of, a, you know, Twilight Zone-y. Mm. Um, although the best thing about it is that last Twilight Zone had some episodes that were 55 minutes long. And this is a nice, again, a nice concise... 25 minutes per episode. Perfect length for this kind of schlock. Um, and I like that it's got more of a kind of a comedic uh, slant to it. While at the same time having twists that are kind of varying from dramatic to a bit disturbing. So, enjoyed it so far. I was hoping to have the first season finished by the time we recorded, but I, excuse me, I just didn't have time to finish the last three episodes, so I'll watch them on the way in and out of work and hopefully breeze through maybe even the second season by the time we talk again. 
Um, but yeah, enjoying that as well. Um, still need to catch up on South Park. Uh, I haven't watched any of that recently. So I think I'm like four behind or something. But um, no, of the two shows that I I watched in the in the in the meantime since last time we spoke, I've enjoyed them both very much. So thumbs up. Mm. Yeah, and Top Nine is good. Um, like any anthology, you've quite hit and miss, but yeah, some really really good ones in there. It's interesting because I've never watched any um, League of Gentlemen or anything, so this is kind of my first yeah. exposure to Shear Smith and the other lad Pemberton or whatever his name is. Stevie, Stevie Pimbo. But they're good. They're good. The forms are good. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Sardines is probably the episode I enjoyed the most of the three. Because mm. um, I, th- I th- just think it had the strongest conceit to it. Um, and the second one, I think, did kind of drag on a little bit. Yeah, but they were good. They yeah. were good. So that's all I've uh, been watching. I also listened to a new album. What come out? Oh, to the Hello. I listened to that new Kanye West album. Oh, why? Uh, well, I've listened to all his other albums. Yeah. So, for completionist's sake, uh, his new album, the long delayed uh, WWE wrestlers coming back from Saudi Arabia. I think it's called. <laughs> oh. Hello. Uh, I think it's called Jesus is King. Yeah. It it is a very very gospel inspired album in the sense that every song is about Jesus basically. Jesus and God and that. Uh it's been panned by everyone I know. Here's the shocker though. Ooh. You love it. I think it's quite good. Ah, wow. So, I don't know. Because I, I think I found, um, certainly his last two, uh, like um, Life of Pablo and was Yay the last one? The seven track one? I, I found them a little too um, experimental, I guess. That they they were a little bit just... You know, they they had no melody to them. They were just uh, kind of <laughs> rhythmic beats with him rapping kind of a bit unintelligibly over them. Uh, and this, at least in, in kind of the sound, in, in terms of how it is musically, I think is a lot closer to his like earlier stuff. Uh, of course, the content of the lyrics is, is a little bit not up my alley, but... When it comes to rap songs, I think in terms of what I enjoy from hip hop and rap, kinds of falls into into two categories. It's uh, songs where the beat is good enough that you can nod your head to it, regardless of what the rapping is like, and then rap songs that have either a, a very interesting rhythm to the rapping or a very important message to the rapping. So I like a lot of you know NWA st- stuff, for for example. Um, and with this one, I think it, it, it falls more in the first category where I, I don't really care what he's what, the, what he's rapping about or what the lyrics are about, but I think musically it works. Um, the choruses are strong and the musically it is catchy as well. So I went into it expecting 
a f- kind of a, a, another yay, but about Jesus, and it isn't that. It's it's definitely got a more gospely soul sound. Mm. And I think if you're if you're turned off by the Christian rapness of it, you can kind of you know tune out what the lyrics are about and enjoy on that level. Anyway, I thought it was quite good. I was actually impressed by it, and I expected to really not like it as I hadn't enjoyed his two previous since I think the last one I liked was um I forget what it was called I forget the name right now. <laughs> the one that had um my beautiful dark fantasy or no no after that the one that had the CD or the Jesus. Jesus yeah Jesus was the last one that I I thought was good the last the two after that I, I also didn't like his collaboration with um was it Kid Cootie? The Kids Are Ghosts or Kids See Ghosts? I, I didn't like that either. So I was I, I, I was kind of zero for three with Kanye recently, but I actually like the new one. So I don't know whether my brain subconsciously was trying to be contrarian or whatever, but I, I, I definitely think that also the first half of it is better than the second half. So if you're interested in it, maybe give the first five tracks a, a listen. And if you like those, then try the rest of the album it's also a very very short album it's only 27 minutes long mm. 27 minutes long 27 minutes long a lot of the songs like in the first half mm. are no longer than about two minutes some sure. of the songs in the- new japan main event <laughs> exactly and some of the songs in the latter half go to the three three and a half minute mark but it's mm. it's it's a very short album each song kind of comes and goes but i thought it was catchy enough i thought it was I thought it was good. One thing that he he relies a little bit too much on in it, though, is like overlaid chorus vocals. Mm. So you know the um, the SNL skit where it's a parody of is it the the OC? The, Ooh, what you say? Ooh, what you say? That song where it has all the like a hundred vocal. Uh, lines over on, imposed on top of mm. each other to give that sound. There's a lot of that in this album. So if you don't like that, you might not like the album as well. But I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Thumbs up for me. Alrighty, that's me enough for the next uh, month, I'd imagine. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. Uh, we can talk about a little bit of game golf. I played a video game this week. What the I would say the biggest plus uh, of the old Game Pass uh, program, mm. which is the uh, Xbox, the Microsoft Xbox uh, Netflix style service, uh, tenner a month uh, gets you basically uh, uh, access to a library of games, uh, and that includes uh, a number of uh, all their first party games and some other stuff they've negotiated. So I have that on PC, and so I'm playing uh, The Outer Worlds which is the new Obsidian game that is very much in the style of Fallout New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only played about two hours of it, but uh, so far I'm really, really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, you can, you can buy it for full price on the, on the PS4, but if you have an Xbox or a PC, uh, I think the, uh, the PC Game Pass price is something ridiculous because it's still technically in beta. So I think I paid three quid a month for, for Game Pass on, on PC. And, you know, I, this is a brand new uh, AAA game release day and day on Game Pass. So that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, all the, the... It might seem a bit easy to lean into the Fallout comparisons, but that is what it is. Uh, Obsidian 
made a Fallout game 10 years ago. Everyone very, very, very much liked it. Uh, they seem to have some kind of not great relationship with Bethesda, so they never got to go around to make another one uh, until they made this. And it's, it's really, really great. It's a first-person shooter set in a kind of sci-fi future. And uh, rather than being a big open-world game like a Fallout, it's kind of a segmented thing. So you have lots of big open spaces to explore, but they are segmented off. Uh, they're kind of divided by planets, and you have a, a kind of hub area of a spaceship that you go back to. Yeah, I heard it likened to Mass Effect in that. Yes, yeah, it's a, it, it has split the difference there a little bit between uh, a modern Fallout and a Mass Effect. And, and, and of course, really... Obsidian made also a game for Bioware, I think. Or did they make one of the Star Wars games? Yeah, they made one of the Knights of the Old Republic. I think, Was that I think, I think they might have, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm very, very early. I, I kind of just got to my first major decision, so I'm too, too early to really comp- uh, to comment on it. But yeah, it's great. I mean, it's very shamelessly Fallout in a lot of places, uh, but that's good. Uh, it it kind of runs and plays better than a Fallout, which is which is good. Um, those games I've always liked in theory, but I've always fallen out of about between eight and fifteen hours in mm. from game to game. Um, so so far, I, I, I'm really liking this. I'll see how I hold up on it. It just uh, feels good. The shooting is good. It is obviously not some kind of twitchy Call of Duty or Doom-style first-person shooter, but it feels responsive, feels good. Um, instead of that, you have a, uh, just a generic kind of bullet time thing you can mm. do, yeah. um, but it doesn't drain at all, or it barely drains when you're standing still, so you can apply it and kind of look around and take take in your, your surroundings and see what your options are, which is a nice touch. And uh, yeah, whenever I play these games, I tend to skew more into the speech skills, uh, try and talk my way out of certain things, get access to other areas, uh, get discounts with... with uh, uh, vendors and uh, so far I, i've enjoyed that quite a lot um and, uh, yeah uh, too early to tell but a, a strong first impression uh and uh, all the voice work is, is really really good uh it seems like they are even even more than a fallout game it seems like they are leaning into the characters because in, in my short time with each of those games i do think actually new vegas leaned more into just dialogue and character decisions yeah. than in three or four, uh, this seems very much in that. Look, you're still doing all the other stuff. You're exploring, you're fighting, you're lockpicking, you're hacking. Uh, but I've, I've, I've just a lot of dialogue, a lot of choices, a lot of conversations. So, uh, so far, so good. Uh, thumbs up on that. And also, as, as I mentioned, uh, thumbs up on the old Game Pass service as well. I have uh, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, uh, so like less than a fiver on PC. And I think it's a tenner if you have an Xbox. Uh, console so yeah thumbs up on that that's uh that's really all i've been playing this week yeah i'm really really looking forward to the outer worlds but i'm thinking i'm gonna keep it for a christmas game mm. Mm. um because i of course love fallout 3 uh new vegas and 4 i actually really enjoyed all of those games um and i also loved uh stick of truth which was also made by obsidian um, oh yeah they did that. Yeah, so... Um, high hopes. I'm expecting to love it. I believe it's also quite short compared to the other games we mentioned. I think you can beat it in about 15 hours. Yes, which is good too, yeah. Or, if you want to play it uh, in a more completionist sense, like a follow game, I think you can play it for like 40 hours. And I, lo- I love that as, as an option because I spoke this year about or last year, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that there was just, the map was too big, there wasn't enough interesting stuff to do, and, and while the core game was excellent, because I play it as 
a completionist. I got just got bored by it. And I love the option of, here's a game. If you want to just you know mainline it, you can beat it in about 15 hours. If you want to do everything in it, about 40 hours. Perfect. Like, Spider-Man as well, I think, got that balance like perfectly right. Um, oh, I just realized that I'm bleeding, and I'm bleeding all over the bed. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, um, what happened? I scratched, uh, I scratched the, a, little, a little thing on my wrist. Oh, well. Um, this bed covers will have to go in the wash, so. Uh, oh, so I played two games, almost to completion. I was hoping that I would have both of them again finished by the time we talked, but I'm not quite there. Um, Link's Awakening, I'm on, oh, the, I'm on the final boss. <laughs> so I'm like, right at the end. Is it hard? Uh, no, I haven't even tried it yet. Oh. But I know that I've done the the eight dungeons leading up to the end of the game. So that's where I am. I'm ninety eight percent completed. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 pretty much an hour from being done with it. Um, love that game. The dungeons are all super fun. Quite challenging as well, especially towards the end. The uh, the seventh dungeon of the eight in particular, very very tough just in terms of it being one big puzzle that you have to remember what switch you've activated, where and where you've left your item. and Very, very taxing on the old brain. You really have to pay attention for that one. But very satisfying then when you beat it, you know? Um, mm. So I've really, really enjoyed Link's Awakening. Short enough game again. I think I've probably only been playing it for about 10, 11 hours. Maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but seems like about that much. As as you've been talking about it there, I just remind, reminded myself to add Link's Awakening to my uh, my my short list of games in my head that I want to play. Not yeah. in my head; it's Google Doc. I don't know why I said in my head. Uh, <laughs> it's the opposite of in my head. I've put it down somewhere. Um, and God, I've played nothing this year. The 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 to playlist absolutely dwarfs the list of games I've actually played this year. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I feel I feel a bit the same. Um, uh, I I've. Uh, finished, actually finished and gotten to the credits on two whole games this year. Um, and I've half played a bunch of other stuff and then a, b- a bunch of other stuff I made note of that I haven't gotten to. I, I think I have you beat in that aspect. I, I, I wrote down uh, Link's Awakening and then I also remembered, oh, Luigi's Mansion 3 came out. Should add that as well on the subjects of Switch games. And that's been getting very good reviews too. Yeah, I've never played one. They look great. They look like my kind of game. Um, but yeah, oh, too, too many things, too many things. Yeah, so Link's Awakening is great, um, especially if you're a fan of the top-down Zelda games, which I am. Um, great remake of the 93 original, I think it was. Um, yeah, it, 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 again, finds a good balance between being easy enough to be kind of just pick-upable, but also that there's, there's challenge in there, especially towards the latter, the latter half of it. Um, sometimes it is a little bit obtuse, um, which also links linked to the past was in the Super Nintendo, to be fair, where some of the puzzles you'll kind of, you'll do all the logical things, especially if you're experienced with Zelda games, you do all the logical things that would normally open a locked door, and you kind of <sighs> exhaust your ideas, and then, you know, look it up, and yeah, oh, you have to just push a random block left you're like what so, so at, at some points 
you know, the game encourages you to use items that you've picked up and and reuse uh, things that you've learned, mechanics from earlier in the game to, to uh, unlock these puzzles. And then sometimes it's just a random thing that you would never think of. Mm. Um, but not too often. But sometimes it is a little bit a little bit obtuse like that. But definitely, definitely an excellent game. But not my favorite game of the year, and not even my favorite game of the week. That honor goes to Ooh. What the Golf, which I've been playing oh, on yes. Apple Arcade, which last night during the UFC I beat 100% completion. Ooh. Now that's a game that is creative, that is funny, that I laughed out loud multiple times playing it. One of the most creative, unique games I've played in years and years. But also, if you want to just mainline it, you'll have a really fun, easy go. If you want 100% it, some of those extra challenge levels are fucking ball-achingly difficult. <laughs> mm. So fucking hard. That, to some of them, I, I, you know, I beat eventually. To be honest, some of them I fluked rather than beat through any skill or, or anything. But some of them, I would just think, I'm not going to be able to beat this. It's, that, it's too hard. I, I won't be able to do it. And some levels, like, the game is very short. Like, in its entirety, at 100% completion, I beat it in seven and a half hours. So it's not a very long game. If, if you're only going to beat uh, each level once and not, not try the extra challenges, you could probably beat the game in three hours. Uh, but some of those individual levels I probably spent 45 minutes on trying to beat. Jeez. So, so difficult. So hard. The problem with the game is... Well, the game itself is, is brilliant. It's so, so fun. So excellent. It's only available on iOS, which a lot of people don't have. Steam, which a lot of people do have. But I think this game really needs to be played with a touchscreen. So I wouldn't recommend it on Steam. And is coming to Nintendo Switch, but is not out is not out yet. Um, so unfortunately, if you don't have uh, an iPhone or an iPad, you have no way to play this game as it should. I, I can't imagine playing it with a mouse. That would seem just the worst. It's definitely a touchscreen game. Um, it's so so good. There's, you know. When you start playing it, it just seems like a regular golf game, and then very quickly it becomes apparent that it is not a regular golf game. There are references to other video games, um, very, very direct references to the point where some of the levels are are literally the game <laughs> that they are parroting. It's 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 a little, it, it's not it's not um, subtle at all, but it's so so inventive. Some of the levels really uh, are like breathtakingly creative, um, I, to the point that I really don't even want to mention them because the experience and the enjoyment is by playing the game and and understanding what each of the levels is. Like there was one mm. one moment where you know I opened the level and it's just a green screen. There's no. Nothing appearing, and I'm thinking, like, has it frozen, or am, am I doing something wrong? And when you work out what the what you have to do, it's ah, oh, I, I, I had to run down and tell people, look at this game, look what you have to do. Ah, oh, <laughs> brilliant. 
So, I mean, if you have a Nintendo Switch, when What the Golf comes out is is a definite purchase for me. Um, okay. If you have already I, a, I, yeah. an iPhone or an iPad, pick it up. Apple Arcade, like, Game Pass for Xbox is like a fiver a month or something. And you get a huge range of games. So I'm kind of picking my way through those as well. But uh, What the Golf, game of the year for me so far. Mm, sounds good. Ah, oh, brilliant. It's, it's a shame. Of... Shame it's not available on Android. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I, I've heard of it before and I keep looking, it's not there. But I'll, I'll get the Switch version. That sounds good. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. It really is. Especially if the Switch version properly supports the touch controls that it has here. It's ah, oh, it's so good. So good. Uh alrighty. Let's jump in to the movie guff. Uh, I watched some movies this week uh, A little later than usual Didn't quite squeeze it in before Halloween I got in my annual viewing of the Blair Witch Project Very nice uh, mm. Still great, still love it Every time I watch it uh, Thoroughly enjoy it as usual uh, Obviously we've chatted about that quite extensively I love there, the Blair Witch Project uh, Over the years uh, two, uh, Rewatched two classics uh, That I don't think I've talked about on the podcast I haven't watched these in years uh, so I rewatched the Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, the perfect uh, transitioning from Halloween to Christmas movie. Um, I I've never like adored that movie. I I think it's good. I think the animation is still incredible. I think it holds up very very well. I like the songs. Uh, I just don't really care for like the characters. I don't think it's any kind of compelling story. Uh, I, I you know that that aspect of it falls down for me, but uh, I, I, a very nice uh, uh, holiday family film from back before Tim Burton was embarrassing. Uh, so that's good. Um, I also rewatched. I haven't watched this in so long, but given the uh, the sequel, the new film is out. I rewatched the original Terminator. Oh. Right, well, I'll I'll be back. Um, that is still absolutely fucking tremendous yeah. uh, in every every conceivable way. It's so good. Even the bits of it that haven't aged that well, like the I noticed. I, I even noticed specifically when it's a problem. The scenes where it's not actually arty; it's a prosthetic arty. Oh yeah. Um, so anytime they do, I'm sure at the time, really frightening and, and, and cutting edge effects, uh, physical effects where his eye is fucked up. And so he's having to cut away bits of skin. Um, uh, it, it's very much a, why is, why is that a mannequin? Why have they cut between regular Arnie approaches the mirror and then suddenly rubber Arnie is looking in the mirror? Um, but, you know, little things like that are, are are almost quaint in how they're done. Also, all the future stuff with the robots stomping around, it's very... Like, it might as well have been made in the 1950s. It's so stop <laughs> so It's so obviously stop-motion-y. But, oh, I love it. It's it's so cool. It's so, so cool. Uh, Terminator is such a cool character. Um, you know, other than those few examples, all the, all the action scenes feel really gritty and real and cool. Oh, I love it. The music's tremendous. Uh, yeah, so that's great. I'm going to try and squeeze in Judgment Day soon as well, and then go see that new one. Yeah. Um, I have not seen... I've, I've seen one and two before. I have literally not seen any of the other sequels ever, because they've all looked and sounded shite. So uh-huh. I've seen two, I've seen the two good ones, and I'm, that's all I'm ever going to see. I'll watch this new one, even if it's that shite as well. I'll just go see it anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
So, uh, so Terminator One still a bagger. I think I like Terminator One more than Judgment Day. I mm. am in agreement about that, especially having done this rewatch. Uh, I like both equally. I mean, that's uh, that's an absolutely fair <laughs> opinion that I will not <laughs> argue with you against. I mean, they're both excellent. Um, well, yeah, they're quite, they're very different. They're very different. I mean, Terminator Two has the the iconic moments, you know, mm. um, and the shotgun while Arnie swings around to reload, which is my favorite movie weapon of all time. Um, but that first Terminator, I think the way it sets up the the concept and everything is so perfectly done. It's brilliant. Uh, Terminator Three is a lot of shite. I actually yeah. don't mind Salvation. It's almost not a Terminator movie, though. It's it's almost like what Rogue One and Solo are to the mainline Star Wars movies. Mm. Yeah, it, it feels like a side movie more than anything because, like mm. Arnie, Arnie, I don't think is in it really. There's like a CGI Arnie that appears for like thirty seconds at one point, but it's it's not a movie about Arnie and the Terminator as the rest of them are. So, I actually don't mind it, but a lot of people think it's equally shite. So, you're probably, yeah, you're probably in the right, giving them a miss. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing about one and two is, whatever your preferences, I mean, they are so different as well. Like, the, the, the kind of thrillery, horror-y uh, uh, vibes are, um, uh, are way more of a factor in the, in the first one. Yes. But, um... So yeah, those are the those are the classics I, I, I rewatched this week, and I saw a new release. I saw Doctor Sleep, um, uh, which is the sequel to Shining, mm. uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, starring Ewan McGregor. Uh, it is really fantastic. It is another uh, really great Mike Flanagan film uh, with a great central performance and. The, the best possible praise I can give it is it absolutely does not bother trying to be a Kubrick film. He hasn't got into this saying, well, it's a sequel to this Kubrick film, uh, so I have to try and emulate that as best I can. He hasn't even bothered, because why would you bother? Because you're never going to do it right. Um, so it definitely has the feel of a more modern horror. It, you know, it feels a little bit more conventional as well, I'll say that much. Um, it feels like a more conventional film. It, feel, it definitely feels like a Mike Flanagan project. Um, I think that is also owing a little bit to the story of Dr. Sleep. Uh, like, obviously, Kubrick's Shining takes these wild departures from the source material. It's very, very, very different uh, story, heavily criticized by Stephen King himself. Um, I think this this feels a bit more like a Stephen King story. Uh, and so it's it's not this kind of weird auteur director's vision. Uh, so, so I think it splits the difference quite well between making a good... Uh, a unique film that's not trying to emulate the shining, but it does do right by those characters, which I think is is the best thing about it. Um, uh, it's it's a really interesting follow up. There's there's uh, does some cool stuff with the Danny Torrens character uh, in terms of where he went after the shining, and also uh, uh, you know uh, revisits aspects of of uh, the shining in, in a really cool way. Um, the homages are certainly in there. I will say that as much as this film is doing its own thing, the the uh, 
the Kubrick shining homages and, and fan service is most definitely in there. Um, so it's very, it's very much a thing where you will have to have seen the first one to, to, to get this. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, it's, it, it, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think anyone who, who likes the shining will, uh, uh, enjoy this, but obviously just do not go into it expecting, uh, expecting it to be anything at all. Like the, you know, quote unquote, the original. Sure. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was all I saw this week. Yeah. I'm very excited to see Dr. Sleep. Uh, you and McGregor tremendous, obviously. Uh, but uh, yeah, good. Uh, no emails for any of us this week. Anyone else got a movie before we move on? Uh, I wa- we watched uh, Shawshank Redemption last night. Um, Michelle had never seen it, so I said, "Right, let's settle in. Lights off." We're going to watch The Shawshank Redemption. No phones, no laptops. Lovely. Just going to enjoy some wonderful filmmaking. And uh, it's still bloody brilliant. Um, just an epic. And it has that really strong uh, way of showing the kind of passage of time as well, which I think a lot of movies struggle with to actually kind of sh- show time passing. I think of like Goodfellas is pretty good at that as well. Um, which which obviously gives it a kind of grander feel. You actually see the sort of years and decades passing. Um, yeah, we're really really good, and you know a bit of a tearjerker as well. So, of course, if anyone now that hasn't seen it, then well, you know. <laughs> How have you lived long no. enough to get a, to find this podcast? Yes, yes. Please stop. Go and watch it. Come back. Number one movie on IMDb, which is you know. <laughs> is it still wow yeah I think so yeah, we yeah. got Godfather 1 and 2 then behind mm. I tell you what speaking of um, we've, we've watched some classics this week we've watched some some uh, some classics on this year's show um, that just reminded me one thing about Doctor Sleep a little bit of a throwback I don't think this is a, this is a spoiler uh, they obviously have uh, someone recast as Shelley Duvall's character there's 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 like a, a small handful of scenes with young Danny Torrens um, and naturally that means they have to have someone playing Jack Nicholson's and Shelley Duvall's characters I don't know if my brain is just broken by modern cinema but I was kind of charmed by the fact that they just went out and got some other actors rather than doing any CGI bullshit. Jack Black. Got like people that looked a bit like Jack because uh, it was like yeah so so it was kind of jarring when there's a scene they 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 straight up uh, have a uh, uh, a scene they they so they reshow they reshow the the axe chopping the door scene down but they have uh, with, but with not Shelley Duvall there the new actress they cast I can't remember I actually do it's someone moderately well known but I can't remember her name. Uh, but it's like it looks identical, only for the fact that you look closely. It's like, oh, they've they've just put the new actress in there. And there's a, another thing where they have a flashback to to um, Nicholson's character running through the the halls of the hotel uh, with the axe. But it's not an actual scene from the movie. They've put, just put him in the same clothes. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what people used to do whenever they were telling stories like this. Rather than let's just CGI him with the face and just you know. Put Paul Walker's brother in there. It's fine, and here's here's. We'll just pretend this is Robert Downey Jr. I, you know, I was like, I was dreading the idea that what if they just put Jack Nicholson in there and try and CGI him to make him. <laughs> Let's get Jack Nicholson's 200. big bloated body in here. 
Yeah, let's drag Jack Nicholson in here, looking like uh, he washes himself with a rag on a stick, um, and and CGI forty years and then two hundred pounds off him. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so that was there was almost something quaint about that. I really liked it. Um, but yeah, so um, that's the uh, that's the movie off for this week. Uh, if you, and so watch Doctor Sleep, and also if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption, watch that as well. Um, uh, I suppose we can move in to the Wrestle Goff. Yes. Uh, where do we want to start, gents? Uh, I mean, I mean, the big news at the moment is this Saudi Arabia deal. The hostage situation. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, I think it's funny in terms of how public the whole situation has got in terms of even wrestlers on Twitter being very negative about the whole situation, never, never doing this again and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think that they were fucking sitting there for hours and hours. These big, huge men in their little economy seats. Cause me, if I'm sitting on the fucking tarmac more than, 20 minutes I start going then. Yeah. So, I can't imagine. While Vince and the boys off in the uh, early flight, goodbye to see you later. Yeah, that is the best part of the whole thing. Is Vince <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, pal, it's a bad situation. But anyway, see you at SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> see you at SmackDown or in hell. <laughs> um, so, basically what happened was uh, the Saudi Arabia show Crown Jewel was Thursday, Halloween. Um, before we even get to any of the weirdness that went down, the talent were then scheduled to fly back to Buffalo, New York to work SmackDown the next day after wrestling on Crown Jewel and then doing a 13-hour flight back to the States. So that's crazy anyway. Mm. Uh, that's always WWE's way with international tours. But the story sort of started to break there uh, Friday morning, like our time. Uh, so in the small hours of Thursday night, Friday morning in the U.S., that for whatever reason, the WWE talents played had not left yet. Um, and the, the initial story was just, oh, there's concern that they're having mechanical issues and they won't be able to get back to the U.S. in time to do SmackDown, which is fair enough. Uh, then as time ticked on and on and on and on, eventually it came about these people were sitting on this tarmac for hours with no update at all on when they were going to go home and what was happening. Um, and details began to leak out. There was this there was this unspecified rumor that Vince had had some kind of falling out with the Saudis. There was some kind of incident that there was a reason they weren't being let home. It was not just a case of, of mechanical failures or weather. That was the story that kept being put out by WWE uh, several times. And uh, it, it has now come about as the dust has settled um, I should point out that there was at one point there was a, a, a story that uh, a number of talents had chartered their own flights to try and get home in time for SmackDown. It now seems that that was not even true in and of itself. It seems like Brock got out on his own private jet that he takes anyway. Vince and uh, and so the idea that he had like 40 empty seats on his plane. But <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> he didn't want to have to shake. He just like to put his feet up. Buddy Murphy clutching onto the wing uh, as it takes off. Like Brock that, Lesnar's uh, got a broom out the window, like 
knocking like Rusev off. Um, so, so there's all this back and forth, and so it turns out that they do miss SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown then, which it probably was going to be anyway in the build to Survivor Series, SmackDown turned into a big NXT invasion show where the few people who didn't go to Saudi Arabia, most of whom don't go on moral moral grounds, uh, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan and the like, uh, they all got got into it with NXT wrestlers. And, and well, that Owen, show actually... Owens wasn't on the show, it was Sami Zayn. Oh, was Owens not on the show? No. Okay. Uh, but he, he doesn't do the Saudi Arabia shows, my yeah. point. The rest of the um, women. <laughs> The rest of the women, of course, yeah. So, and, and and ironically enough, then the show ended up doing a better rating than the previous Fox episode, which is kind of funny. Mm. Um, so, after the dust settles, what came about, and again, we're still kind of waiting on more details on this, is that Vince has had some kind of falling out with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is the most Vince McMahon thing <laughs> to happen. Uh, um, I mean, short of the, the incident involving someone dying in the ring, this is the most Vince McMahon thing to happen. So there was apparently as of the end of September, uh, the WWE had not been paid for the previous Saudi Arabia show. Right. And these are big money affairs. We are talking about tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars uh, because you've you've stories like Tyson Fury on this most recent one being offered 15 million to do his spot. So so it is. And, you know, Shawn Michaels being lured out of retirement by a a huge novelty check being backed up to his house. Um, so they hadn't got this payment. There was some kind of um, uh, dispute, and apparently the dispute was going on as the show was on the air because it was not airing live in Saudi Arabia, which it usually does. It ended up airing on a 40-minute delay because WWE was apparently refusing to air it live until this got resolved. Um, and then there's a story going around that they did on the day of Crown Jewel. They got a $60 million, an unspecified $60 million payment from Kingdom of Saudi Arabia uh, on the day of. Uh, and the details about what that is all about you know, remains unclear. So, so the long and short of this is that there was a falling out between these two parties. We don't really know what the long-term effects of that are going to be, if they're going to go back. But if WWE as an entity does decide to go back a huge swath of the wrestlers have have said that they are not going back uh because they do an nxt invasion show in saudi arabia oh yeah and all the women oh no <laughs> <laughs> well the women can wrestle now in shirts and wetsuits okay but you can't put tegan Knox in in that bad that coverall get up that wouldn't work um uh, she got them knee braces it would be it'd be awkward yeah. um so yeah, and, and as we joked about earlier, basically Vince just like fucked off at the earliest available opportunity, and for lack of a better term, these WWE wrestlers were effectively like held hostage while I don't know was happening. They were on the phone to Vince, they were haggling with Vince, they were trying to get money to Vince, they were trying like I don't know. That's the question mark to me is is it, it seems to be universally agreed upon now by various outlets that the talent was was a kind of a pawn in this whole thing, and that Saudi Arabian officials would not let them leave. But but to what end? I don't understand. Like what? Promise us you'll come back, or promise us we have we will still do business because they have a ten year contract. I really don't know. But um, yeah, it was fucking hilarious. I mean, it's such a it's such a crazy thing to happen. Um, and you know, some some people were were somewhat. Uh, publicly voicing their uh, their opinions on this um, online and stuff like that. So we'll be very interested to see 
if they go back to Saudi Arabia and who refuses to go, etc. Because the thing about Saudi Arabia, the thing about that whole deal is that it's a huge, huge chunk of money that covers up um, uh, the the gradually fading business of WWE. So it'd be interesting to see what their what their financials look like without without that. Yeah, I love as well that this whole deal of the Saudi Arabia show and the 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 growing descent of the wrestlers involved is about a show that the majority of non-Saudi Arabian fans resent anyway. Like, it's not like the fans outside of Saudi Arabia are clamoring for these, you know, biannual events, which, you know, it's the next best thing to WrestleMania. I mean... Yeah, those that, that verbiage to me always feels like it's contractual. Like yeah. they've... T- Oh, they told the kingdom that they'll they'll give him a WrestleMania esque show. Yeah. As such. <laughs> now this will be uh, equivalent to or better than WrestleMania, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they saw. Maybe Saudi Arabia saw the star ratings for the last one and said, "We're not paying sixty million for that. It's rubbish." We changed. Look, the look at the grapple app. Look at the grapple app. It's rubbish. <laughs> we want Scrappermania level now. <laughs> <laughs> I been downloading the grapple Mr. McMahon with all due respect this this Rollins this Rollins Lesnar rating you can't seriously 60 million come on now can you get me this can you get me this David Starr you see here look at look at his average can we can we have a talk with this man oh dearie me so that's so that's pro wrestling being great um oh. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated for, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for the big info dump. I want to know what exactly was the end game of holding all these wrestlers hostage. Um, so I'm sure this week's Observer will be fascinating and, uh, and whatnot. Um, did, 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 did uh, I, 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 I was going to say, did either of you see any of the show? I watched because someone uploaded it to Twitter because it's short enough to fit yeah, on Twitter. I watched Kane Kane. Lesner. Yeah, me too. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, God, that was boring shit. Oh my god! And he's why can't oh okay. Let me take you back a little trip down memory lane. I think it was the late two thousands, right? And I think it was Vince McMahon came out. It was interviewed by someone, right, about the UFC's business model versus their own. And the quote was that the UFC is is a crap shoot, meaning. You're going to pay your $60. Uh, it, maybe it's a, a, a double innuendo, a double entendre. Um, but like, you pay your 60 bucks or whatever, and your main event yeah. comes along, and you get a fucking 30-second flash knockout, and uh, that's it. Whereas here at WWE, you get your, your money's worth. You get your 25-minute action-packed main event, rain, you know, rain, sun, shine, whatever. Uh, so, here we are in 2019. Kane Vasquez is signed for some reason. And Wait. they're going to do a UFC-style crapshoot, let's call it. Um, right, so let's say you know Joe and Barry. Put your, little, your, your booker hats on. Get your pencils in hand. It's always on. You're going to do a, a UFC-style worked match. We'll do two minutes because Brock, he ain't what he used to be. He don't got uh, the 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 stamina of two thousand three Brock Lesnar. 
Uh, do you A, take the most exciting elements of UFC fights, um, you know, people being rocked by, by impressive shots, vicious ground and pound, maybe, you know, impressive transitions to submissions, uh, you know, a, 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 a violent yet exciting and, you know, unpredictable fight feel, or B, go for, without exception, the most boring parts of UFC, namely pushing against the cage, uh, leg kicks, and just do two minutes of that, followed by a, a submission out of nowhere finish. Um, what do you think? Mm. No, B is the answer, mate. Uh-huh. Yeah, not not knowing anything about UFC, I assume B. <laughs> so, I I don't understand, right? You know that it's not real, and you know that you can, you know, again, almost entirely control, control the, what it is. Why do you do the most boring version of UFC? Yeah, especially because you've had Brock do the better thing of elbow people in the head before. Um, so, so why this had to be this way, I don't know. Also, it's like, I realize these shows are put together at the whim of, of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, um, but putting Kane in this situation uh, to lose so quickly... Yeah, baby, beating in two minutes by submission! He got tapped out! What a geek! It's like, and like, choosing not to let him do any of his lucha stuff, just go in there and just lose. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, uh, fair enough, fair enough, he wasn't going to win. I did not expect Cade Velasquez to win the WWE title, fair enough. But for, well, first of all, you did not have to, <laughs> you did not have to put the title on the line. You did not have to do the match at all. But yeah, you could have just had them knock lumps out of each other for 10 minutes even to make it a bit more competitive. Um, and I just think it's hilarious that the guy who is actually training and has actually shown unreal potential as a pro wrestler, he lost in two minutes with Tyson Fury, the novelty act, um, real sports star, who's obviously not going to be staying in WWE. He beat Braun Strowman. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of course he did. Yeah. <sighs> so that's all I watched from Saudi Arabia. I also watched um, Tyson Fury's entrance. Just looked like a laugh. That was that. It's good. Lots of fireworks. Yeah. Uh, then he came out dressed like a sheep. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. All right. He looked like the fake shake that used to trap people for the sun. The news of the world. <laughs> you know, sit in a hotel bar with Cheryl Cole or something. Oh, I thought you said he came out dressed as a sheep. No, sheep, sheep, <laughs> sheep, sheeky baby, sheeky baby. Um, uh, on better in better wrestling news, did we watch AEW again, uh, this week? Yeah. Um, yeah, baby. I I had some problems. I had some problems. With I it. thought it was the worst episode so far. I also thought it was the worst episode so far. I'd have to agree. There was a lot of wacky stuff on it. There was. It was a Halloween episode, which maybe it was a Halloween episode, and it was like co-promoted, I guess, with Rick and Morty. Yes. Oh, I'm a pickle Cody. With which I thought right was gonna involve a little short thirty-second like animated thing where Rick and Morty did wrestling or something, right. mm-hmm. and. 
credits and like and to plug the new series that's coming up because they did an ad for Death Stranding, the new Kojima game, yeah. which is a, a a unique, completely animated Rick and Morty Death Stranding themed skit. But instead, it was just kind of like they had a shitty ring with green ropes and the the, fra- the logo, the Rick and Morty logo on the turnbuckle pads, it looked like a 2K creation. It honestly did. It looked like someone <laughs> made it and uploaded it. Like, you know, you go on and it's like someone someone has made fucking a PewDiePie ring and uploaded it to 2K um, and all this garbage. Um, like, it looked like that. And they had uh, the best friends come out dressed as Rick and Morty, which is like not totally offensive on its own or anything but it to me it came off too much like wwe doing that kind of thing to, to promote a sponsor yeah mm. uh, so i wasn't a fan of that they had justin Royland do the ring i don't know that he was there live or it was just a, i presume it was a pre-recorded thing but he did like the ring introduction for them as well yeah um which was wacky um yeah i mean i thought that was dumb but yeah, the, the Tony Khan thing at the beginning as well was yeah egregious. I don't, I don't think we need to see that again, please. Um, yeah, that for anyone who didn't see it, they were they kind of spliced new footage in while recapping last week, mm-hmm. and so, um, while they were recapping last week, they cut to John Moxley storming backstage. He goes into in, in a very WCW nineteen ninety nine skit. He goes into an office labeled Tony Khan. The camera doesn't follow him in, but we hear their conversation. And uh, Khan is like, oh, you're so violent. Oh, oh I don't know what to do. And <laughs> it was rubbish. It was, it was rubbish, and it's, it's already Khan going back on the idea of not being a television character, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, and then, right, this is, a, this is a very small detail, but it does annoy me. For like the third time in the company's like four month existence, they're doing another non-sanctioned match at the pay per view. Yeah, uh, where it's John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, a non-sanctioned dark match. So, first of all, I f- I feel like this should be a once a year thing. If They've already done twice, if even that. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, this is a match you've been teasing since Double or Nothing. Like that was the that's when they did the big angle, mm-hmm. and now. Now it's not going to even carry over that to either guy's records, which is the other thing as well. It's like you haven't even properly established what all these wins and losses mean, and now you've done three matches where guys are having them expunged and all this other stuff. Um, yeah, wasn't a fan of that. But what was even the reason for... Because it seemed like Moxie didn't want it to be nonsense. He wanted it to count, you know? He that, said, that was it, yes. He, he said, he, so uh, Tony Khan was like, listen... You, you're, you're too much, so you can have your match, but it's going to be non-sanctioned. And then in his promo, he basically says what I just said, which is, I'm waiting all this time, and now it's not going to count. So he was annoyed about that. Now, I'm Why sure did the they match- hire him then? They know that that's what he's like. Well, yeah, that's John Moxley's thing. Yeah, so that's actually that's actually a great point. Um, but um, now, yeah, so now it's like, uh, I'm sure the match will be excellent, but they've they've removed some of the stakes. Um, Dumb. And there, there was, what else? Is there on this show? I'm trying to remember. Well, Cody was in a limousine with uh, Shivani, and they fucking rambled on for what felt like 15 minutes about stories about Dusty and Shivani was telling a story about something. 
I was like, what is going on? And also, on a technical, right? They weren't mic'd up. They were presumably just recording them with a, an iPhone or something. Yeah. And the sound quality was horrible. Couldn't hear anything. <laughs> and it went on forever. But, like, and this isn't even. Because, you know, AEW don't do the uh, quote unquote invisible camera, right? Mm. So this was shot as, as you might see on a sports broadcast, a conversation between two guys in a limousine on their way to the show. They fucking mic them up then. Give them the little lapel mic so you can hear what they're saying. Why are they not? Oh, this company, man. Every time I love that they're, you know, an alternative. And to be honest, the shows are, are a great easy watch. The, the amateurishness of it does shine through on occasion. Like, like nobody thought about micing them up, you know? And it's like, I think, I think they put too many bells and whistles on Cody, which uh, we, we've spoken about how great it's been, and they've really presented him like the star. They really haven't put a foot wrong. But, like, with this and with his entrance being so elaborate, I watched last week's episode of Dark as well. Like, like every single time he does his entrance, they lower that chandelier that doesn't lower for anyone else. They lower it, and then they raise it for him, and then he comes up, and then the smoke, and wrestling has more than one royal family. I'm like, this is kind of like the Brandy thing. It's like, are you parodying the McMahon Helmsleys, or are you just being them? Because I think it's going to set you up as a heel eventually. Like you are, Because it's like, for a guy who they don't really talk too much about his executive role... He comes off like a heel who's giving himself special treatment. Do you know what I mean when I when yeah. I when I say that? Like he, mm-hmm. like the entrance and the the extra camera time and Tony being in the car. We have to follow the guy's entire fucking journey to the building. You know, it's it's just a lot. Um, now on the you know on the positives, I thought there was some uh, a lot of. I thought the the angle during the contract signing was great. I mean, Chris Jericho, as always, a breath of fresh air with his. Absolutely ridiculous pumpkin jacket. Pumpkin shirt. Ah, oh, brilliant. In fact, I didn't like a lot about this show up until the point that Chris Jericho come on. I um, agree, yeah. Um, and even, to be honest, I was even a little bit disappointed by the main event. It just kind of breezed past me and had just a, a very matter-of-fact, out-of-nowhere roll-up finish. I was like, oh, that's the conclusion to your big tag tournament? All right. I didn't like the finish. I thought the match was great up until that point, but I, yeah, I did not like the finish. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I, and, uh, I will give you two highlights from the show, though. Hmm. Um, during the Rick and Morty promotion match, Jim Ross admitting he has no idea what Rick and Morty is. <laughs> wubba lubba, and, dub, and number dub. two, him going wubba wubba dub dub. But not saying it fast. <laughs> well, quite frankly, a wubba 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 Well, uh, I don't watch the show, but I, I think Morty should be making more of an effort to go for a cover here. <laughs> this, this fucking guy and his pinfalls, my God. My God, get over it. Get over it. Like, even if I agree they should be doing it. God, to have the commentator constantly pointing it out is so hilarious. Uh, did either of you watch Dark with Taz? I thought Taz was really good. No, I, I haven't watched I e- any episodes watch of Dark. No. 
Oh, he, he was great. He was genuinely really great. He was funny like he usually is, but he was also taking it super serious, and then he really had his working shoes on. Him and Excalibur was a good little team. Um, yeah, so that was that was good. Uh, but yeah, you know, that was that was AEW. It was it was uh, okay, but definitely the weakest so far. Yeah, I liked NXT a lot more than AEW this week, I must say. Let's, let's talk to us about NXT. This is the first time, by the way, uh, I've preferred NXT to AEW. Because although NXT has had you know better matches some weeks, AW usually is a more entertaining show. This week I didn't really think it was, apart from Jim Ross saying, "Well, wubba 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 dub dub their X." Um, NXT was pretty good. Um, one thing that I think NXT does way better than AW is the women, because NXT's female superstars are like all great. They're all great, and I I've been a little bit under underwhelmed with the the AEW efforts. Um, so you had... Uh, I'm just making sure I'm opening up the right one here. Yeah, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae had a very good match. And you had a, a, a really great match with uh, Kyrie Sane and Asuka against Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. So there you go. Six great women wrestlers. And that match led to a big schmoz to announce the first female War Games match which is going to take place the next takeover. And that's going to include uh, Kai Knox, presumably because they didn't actually announce who was in it, but they, the teams they were standing off was Kai Knox, Ripley, and Luray, and then Baszler and her goons, Shirai and Bianca Belair. So that'd be great. Uh, Finn Balor come out. Now you might remember Finn Balor turned heel the other week. Yeah. Which I thought was great. That whole segment, by the way. Especially the yeah. the perfect Pele kick. Perfect! Uh, although, what he did here was he come out and cut a babyface promo. Which is very strange. Because this is the thing now. Um, the difference between heels and babyfaces is that babyfaces, by their nature, are very bland. And heels are cool. That's That's literally the 2019 definition of what a heel and babyface is so Finn Balor come out and he says you know two months ago two months ago I was laying down for the, the new hottest act in wrestling just because he put a new mask on now I took my mask off and now I'm the hottest thing in wrestling and I'm like are you stone cold are you stone cold Steve Austin now because that's something that an anti-hero babyface would say not a heel and then he said uh Johnny Gargano, I heard you got out of the hospital. Well, if you want another go, I'll send you back to the hospital. And I'm thinking, are you stone cold? Because that's something an anti-hero babyface would say, not a heel. So Finn Balor is a cool man uh, who I, as a wrestling fan, want to like now because he says cool things instead of a lame, smiling geek, which he has been for the last few years. Against, against Gargano, who is going to come out and fight him dressed as Iron Man. <laughs> Exactly. I say what? Like we've, we forgot to mention Kenny Omega coming out of Sans Undertale. Oh, um, absolute bollocks. Um, even if it wasn't a niche reference, I'm so over wrestlers cosplaying and not even full on cosplaying, coming out in gear that's like oh, it, it's uh, an homage to one of the Avengers. Grow up. Grow up. You are supposed to be a star. And you're dressing up in a little Halloween outfit pretending to be a star. 
Oh, who's who's cooler, Finn Balor in his leather jacket doing Pele kicks, or Johnny Gargano with his Thanos gear because he's a bit of a bad boy now? Oh, fucking pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, Barry, very true. Oh, God. Um, what else to have? Yeah, Cameron Grimes, who I... The former Trevor Lee, who I didn't like at all until he had a really great match with Matt Riddle, had another great match with Tyler Bate. Funny when you put him in with people who are real good. He have good matches. Uh, and the main event, which was excellent and well worth a watch, undisputed there, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Uh, against Keith Lee and Matt Riddle in a non-title match, and that match were bloody good. Let me tell you. Uh, so that was NXT. It were good. It was a bit more of a consistently good show than AEW was this week. Although Jericho is a gift that we need. Here it is. Oh. <sighs> he's great. Uh, NWA Joe. Um, I was a bit busy um, putting together a table this week while I watched it. Okay. But, <laughs> so, but I still, that's the kind of show it is. I like to just sort of have it on. I don't have to, you know, follow every second of it. It's just some kind of, some wrestling that you kind of have on and just watch and you watch some of the interviews and it's good. Um, they had a big kind of six-man tag with Colt Cabana and Mag- uh, Nick Aldis uh, and Ken Anderson against uh, James Storm and the tag team champions. I forget who they are, but anyway, uh, on the line was either a world title shot or a Colt Cabana getting a shot at James Storm's North American title. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Colt Cabana and Nick Alderson are winning. So Colt Cabana is going to get that title shot. So that was pretty cool. Um, Other than that, I don't remember too much about it, but it's, it's a fun show. I enjoy watching it. Uh, and Trevor Lee, uh, not Trevor Lee, <laughs> Trevor Murdoch. Was, yeah, <laughs> Trevor Lee would be an interesting choice. Yeah, Trevor Murdoch was on it, and he won. And he's he's good as well because he's like old surly country bloke. And I I just like a bit of that in wrestling. So yeah, thumbs up for power. Great. And I guess the last right, thing that's good. for us to once talk again. About... Oh, go on. No, you say. I was going to say, another another good week of everyone having telly to watch. Yeah, isn't it great? We're a wrestling it's podcast pretty. again. Uh, I haven't watched New Japan Power Struggle yet, or whatever it's called, by the way. Because there are only so many hours in the day. And that show is four hours long. And I watched six hours of UFC yesterday instead. So. Yeah. I, I, have not, I have not been into any New Japan stuff, and... I saw the one big headline about today's show, but in terms of the actual matches, none of them grabbed me, so I don't think I'll bother. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll probably watch it over the course of the week. I don't see myself sitting down for four hours to watch. I'll watch an hour a day, maybe, something like that. Um, the only other thing to talk about then, Barry, is OTT's 50-year anniversary show, which took place yes. in Dublin's National Stadium last Saturday. Mm. What did you think of the show? I thought until the main event, it was one of the weaker OTT shows uh, of recent memory uh, with a lot of decent stuff, but not a lot of blow away stuff. Um, And then I thought the main event was my favorite match of the year. Uh, 
uh, an absolute classic. So all in all, I have to give it a two thumbs up show. Um, I thought Star versus Devlin, if it is the end, was the was the perfect end to the to the perfect feud. Yeah, I think I'm a bit more positive on the show overall. Um, I, yeah, I, it was probably the weakest, certainly of the stadium shows that they've done. But yeah, I thought overall it was it was fine. There were some highlights and some some matches that maybe didn't quite live up to. Uh, Expectations, but not overall. I, I I definitely enjoyed myself. Um, I guess we can quickly run through the card and give our give yeah. our opinions. Let me get the the card up here. So um, the dark match, which took place before the official opening match, Amy yeah, I forgot about that. Amy Alonso and the always brilliant Veda Scott defeated <laughs> defeated Club Tropicana. In what I would describe as, aside from Amy Alonso, who looked quite good, I would describe as a stinker. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Uh, Club Tropicana are geeks. They're geeks, and they're not even kind of like endearingly over geeks, I don't think. This is the problem, though, um, Barry, is I think that OTT, to an extent, has moved past the love of geekness of the lads from the flats and... And things of, of, I mean, I say yesteryear, it was like three years ago. But the problem is you see all the young lads in like the Contenders and, and in FF Fight Factory um, kind of are still modeling themselves after that. Like I see the the mid-card Mafia videos, for example. Yeah. And I'm sure those lads are, are, are lovely and, and are hardworking, but it's like that doesn't really work anymore in 2019. The whole lovable geek thing. I mean, like, be cool to an extent has that market filled up, you know? Um, and Tropicana <laughs> looked like they were kind of building and leading up to something, but they're, they just don't have it to be taken seriously, I'm afraid. They're not, the problem is, you can't, you, you can't be, you know, funny in that, but not good enough anymore. It doesn't, it's not enough, you know? Yeah, and I think I, I think they were trying to get a bit more serious with them, but uh, uh, I think I think it's probably for the best that they did because I think ultimately that's that's not going to work. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh. So that was the deal. Um, it was what it was. Alonzi was super over, which was which was good. Which is good. Yeah, she's she, she remains you know a really solid you know undercard wrestler. They did a funny little video as well, where. Um, Veda Scott said the next person who comes to the door will be my partner and of course Justy came in and they never really in my opinion did a good enough job of explaining that Justy wasn't going to be the partner um, so when Justy didn't come out people were bemused um, yeah, it was a small we want Justy chance as well yeah um, so the match the, the show got going properly then uh, opening match was this six man tag match with Callum Black, Mike Bailey and Trent Seven uh, oh, because, of course, Killer Cross could not be there. And Tyler Bate was apparently not clear to wrestle, although had, oh. a, had a match on NXT this week, suspiciously. Yeah, yeah. How fitting on this show with the main event angle being what it was that we had that Tyler Bate bollocks. Um, yeah, just not, just, just not true. Or by, you know, medical clearance. They didn't say he's injured, you know, 
that seems like a thing that we have heard before, which is they basically didn't want him possibly getting hurt yeah. before a match. So they pulled him. That's such. That is such shit. It really is. Uh, and Killer Cross. Have you heard the Killer Cross? Uh, I, I might tell you that off air. Never mind. Okay. Um, uh, but I thought this opener was really, really fun, and I, I love the OJMO Omari team. They're really fun. I was very underwhelmed with Karen Noir, given that this is my first time seeing him. The entrance is uh, well, great. Once yeah. he got in the ring, very bland. Uh, well, yeah, I don't think I don't think this was a, the. This I don't was, think this. This wasn't the showcase to see him, maybe. No, no, I think I think it was a really fun match for all involved. But yeah, I, I don't think he killed it or anything. Um, but yeah, I think the entrance in the stadium was very cool. It was. That was the highlight of his showing, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bailey is usually great. To be honest, him and Trent Seven, I couldn't have even told you that they were there. Yeah. Um, the match was fine. It just kind of breezed by. It was nowhere near the level of the Omari, OJMO, Alex Cuevas versus More Than Hype match from the no, previous no, show. No. Which is a shame, because I was really looking forward to that one. Um, Terry Thatcher, Eddie Kingston had a match, which was like a very simple version of the Terry Thatcher, Jonah uh, Rock template. Oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Rock. Like, ah, I got it in the end. Uh, you know, in that it was fine without they didn't really do anything and it was very short. Uh, Thatcher got the win, of course, with Eddie Kingston. Uh, so, you know, on, maybe on the on the way out of his wrestling career, supposedly. Um, now we get to the ladder match, right? Yes, I thought the ladder match was quite good, with one caveat, which was they did a, a stupid spot where. I know the exact what it's going to be before you say it. Go on. They did a stupid logic-defying spot where LJ Cleary was on the top of the ladder, under the belt, and instead of taking the belt, did a splash uh, off the top, leading to him losing the match. Now, LJ Cleary, as far as I'm aware, Barry, I might have missed something here, he's never been set up as a, a Jeff Hardy daredevil character who can't resist the fucking... Yeah. The, the big move, the big spotlight... You know, high spot. Uh, so why did he not just grab the belt instead of doing a splash? I don't know. I, I I don't know why this is a ladder match to begin with, to be quite honest. But I I yeah. I mean, there was no real reason for it. But I I other other than that, I thought it was a good, solid little throwback ladder match. To it was more in the style of a you know a Brett Sean. Um, the Gator roll off the ladder was very impressive. Terrifying, um, absolutely terrifying. I thought it was a good solid match. I, I, I do have a soft spot for those simple ladder matches where they use, you know, one ladder and tell a story around that rather than it just being a, a, a dangerous spot fest, which is what ladder matches are these days. So I, I you made the Brett Sean comparison there. I appreciated what they were going for with that. I, I think it didn't quite hit those heights because I think they I think they were both quite nervous. Yeah. Granted um, they're young lads, it was not as good as Brett Sean. <laughs> No, that it was not as good as Brett Sean. I think I think they were I think they were nervous. I think I think it was a it's a big platform for them. They're not I don't think they've uh, made, oh no, uh, has LJ no, I don't think either of them have been in a ladder match before. Um and also at one point time seemed to stand still. I'm sure on VOD it was like four seconds, but there was one point where Scotty tried to get this one ladder they had, because I think that's all they had, not the, that wasn't the Oh, choice. he couldn't open it up? 
he couldn't open it and I said to my friend Sean next to me I was like if they have fucked this ladder I don't think they have a way to end this match because they had looked to have literally won and he tried to he picked it up off the ground and the two legs stuck together and he he hit it to try and open it and it didn't move and I was like oh my god because they, they of course they were doing they were doing moves onto the ladder so I was like god if they fuck this ladder they're they're screwed so it was it was quite good it it wasn't a bad match at all but um, yeah I I think they would have a better gimmick match in them down the line yeah ah it was enjoyable um, it was enjoyable. You then had Katie Harvey Valkyrie for the women's title. Katie Harvey getting the win, which was a nice moment for her in her first yeah. uh, OTT match since injuring both her arms that one time. Um, yeah. The match itself, I thought, was fine. It was pretty good. I Not as heated as I was expected. I was expecting a bit more heat. Yeah, especially... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Katie Harvey and Valkyrie had a stadium match before as well. Uh, no, they had a they had a tremendous match at Defiant. Was hmm, I don't remember. I I remember seeing Katie Harvey Valkyrie before. Uh, uh, maybe it was uh, maybe it wasn't in the stadium. It was in another place. But Va- Valkyrie Valkyrie wrestled Jane at the stadium last year. Right. Um, yeah, I thought this. Was, I thought this was good. I was expecting a bit better, but I, but honestly, I thought it kind of overachieved because I was kind of terrified that Katie, like with the nature of her injury, I was like, I'm glad she's coming back, but God, that's a scary injury to come back from. Yeah, you know, both both her elbows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was good. She looked good, and, and the match was fine, and and uh, um, yeah, it was it was a, a nice moment to see her back on top. I was nearly expecting a. CT flexor turn and it didn't happen. So, what you mean? He came out, he, he threw Debbie over his shoulder. No, I, I, uh, heel turn, I mean. Oh, what? That'd be madness. They just turned him face. I know, I know, but I, I, I didn't want it to happen, but I was nearly expecting it to have been a race, Oh, right. You know? Um, so it didn't happen. So that was, that was good. Um, then we had, okay, not the best thing of the show, but certainly. One of my personal highlights of the show, the Be Cool Orange Cassidy match. Oh, my God. So Be Cool comes out before his entrance. And he's still doing... By the way, I, I don't think I've said this to you on, on the show yet. I was talking to, to, about the lads at the show about this. Is it really obvious to you that he's, like, just watched The Office? <laughs> Maybe. Because if you watch these videos he's doing with Cabray, some of the jokes are, like, one-to-one with with him uh, going... Oh, racist and things like that directly at the yeah, camera yeah yeah it is very either he either just watched it or he rewatched it but he's doing this gimmick now where he has documentary crew following him and so he comes out and he's like right lads I really need to have a good show in here so you need to go really mad when I come out like just imagine I'm the rock or imagine I'm Hulk Hogan before he was racist <laughs> and so and of course, you know, an, an OTT crowd being what they are, Be Cool's music hits, he comes out and everyone goes fucking mental. Like, more mental than, than they went Devlin at the peak or anything at all like that. Just, ah, oh, The biggest and pop out. ever. Jumping up and down! Yeah, just, I, I actually, I have, I only watched the main event on VOD. I really want to watch that match and just see how that stuff came off. It comes off well, I've checked it out. Um, but it's funny well, because Be Cool is... I just I, the viralness of this kind of thing I, I find hilarious because 
Be Cool is this Kildare bogger with the fucking <laughs> strongest Kildare bogger accent. So he comes out and goes, so lads, I tell you, I want you to pretend like it's the rock coming out. I want you to pretend like it's Austin coming out. I want you to pretend like it's Hogan before he was a racist coming out. Oh, he's just brilliant. And it's funny because in the build-up to this show, I actually started to find the, the, the Be Cool skits a little bit annoying. Like, I didn't f- find them that funny. And then with his little video of him with the signs going out and meeting the the people in the queue, and then doing his promo here. To play Fears Be Cool sign. He totally, totally got me back. And... Uh, then he come out, he says, uh, if this is on the VOD, I'll fucking beat the head off, you know? And of course, that is on the VOD. Um, and they come out, and of course, we got AW's own Orange Cassidy. Now, Orange Cassidy is a very, very funny gimmick. Yeah. To see once. <laughs> because I, don't, I can't imagine that seeing Orange Cassidy do this shtick a lot would would have the same impact. I I, I would think that there'd be very diminishing returns. Yeah, I, I've seen him change it up. I think when he works the same place multiple times, he does change it up. Uh, the one thing I was surprised by was uh, I watched a decent amount of shows over WrestleMania weekend of, where he was booked, of course, 70 times. Right. And I will say, he did this basic thing every single time. But um, he is capable of having a, a great match. Uh, but yeah, here, he did the hits, baby. He did he did the slow kicks. He got the chair out. He did the glasses. He did the kip-up. He did a couple of serious spots towards the end. Uh, but uh, it was great seeing him. It really was. And Be Cool is the perfect foil for that shtick as well. Yeah. With his little quips. and I can't remember what anything he said specifically, but very, very funny stuff. Uh, we then had Kings of oh, North back in the stadium. By the way, he did not win and is not getting a title shot. No, he was defeated. Uh, Kings of North, Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, it was, again, it was fine. Um, not 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 to the level of Kings of North matches from, again, yesteryear. Mm. Um, it wasn't like a Kings of North war machine, for example. It was a fine ten-minute brawl, uh, which Gorilla's Destiny won with a, a cutter out of nowhere, and they didn't even do like the, you know, we respect you, Indy guys, handshake afterwards. Oh no, 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 no! Very odd. It, the whole the whole thing was weird because it's like you didn't bother making up a reason for the kings to come back, and I guess. You needed someone who's kind of a star to lose to God. But, like, God also aren't really stars to the international audience at all. Like, I think we've kind of... We've seen with with Walter Devlin and now Star Devlin that that feud has put more butts in seats than the New Japan involvement ever did. Um, You think about last year's anniversary show, which I think was the worst attended stadium show to that point. Um, with 70 New Japan wrestlers on the undercard and, and Naito in a featured match, and it is, like, I would say 1,500 people mm. um, compared to this one that looked close to sold out at 2,000. Um, 
yeah, like, so, so you, you could ask, do we really need God? I mean, it, would Star Devlin have been big enough to just sell the show on its own? And I think it would have. Yeah, but I'm happy um, to this, see them, though. I don't have any attachment to God at all. I mean, I remember they did the Magic Killer, um, and I was like, oh, little, you know, little, little reference there. And my friend who watches way more new than me goes, oh, yeah, Anderson and Gallows gave it to him. And I said, well, that'll tell you how many prelim heavyweight tags I watch when I watch New Japan. Because <laughs> uh, I just have no... I, the entrance is cool. They have a great theme song. And the match wasn't bad. I thought it was okay. I thought they they put a bit of a shift in. You know what I mean? It's not like they dogged it, but I just say, eh. I did. I, I just didn't see them. And I, I once again, we're back to square one. I don't know what you do with the Kings. I have no interest in seeing them against really anyone at all. Um, it's uh, it's crazy they, how far they've kind of fallen off, especially because both of them seem to be in like the best shape they've been in. In oh yeah, since I started watching it, but they used to have a, kind of a, an aura about them and a match quality that you just don't see anymore. I I don't really know why. Very strange. Because they used to be, to me, one of the highlights of seeing. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Um, We then had the number one contendership match for the tag team titles, which was no longer, of course, a title match. More than hype against the grizzled young veterans making their first appearance. Uh, yeah. James Drake and Zach Gibson. They had a... Again, I would call it a quite good WWE-style tag match. But, but a good one. I tell, you, I tell you who I liked, who I always kind of slagged off as being the other one. James, James Drake. Drake. Yeah, he had a good show. He was good. He was good. Fair play to him. It was very wacky because this show, if Tyler was available, this show felt a little bit like OTT washing their hands of the WWE-affiliated acts. It really did. Yeah, uh, either by their choice or WWE's choice, you had Devlin losing clean as a sheet. You had uh, what we would have assumed would have been more, uh, Mustache Mountain losing the titles, but in their place, uh, GYV also um, uh, a WWE act. They lost clean. Um, no guys announced for the next show. Um, just, just very interesting. I thought the match kind of suffered from the fact that people wanted to see most of the title change, and so they did not. I thought this didn't really have any heat at all. Yeah, well, I, I guess. You know, in lieu of, you know, other matches that maybe weren't as high profile, maybe when planning the show, one of the things that they considered as, you know, high point is more than hype winning the tag team titles. That was going to be one of the, the memorable moments from the show that you'd have that and you'd have the be cool match and the ladder match and the title match, you know. So that not happening did definitely left like a hole. Um no, but I, I I thought this match was quite good. If if again not as good as the last more than hype match I saw. Yeah. Um, and then that led to a fantastic main event, which was like watching a great movie because, you know, Mark Hermode, who I listen to his podcast and that, he says he has a great line about you know in in a film when you watch a film, every single shot. Uh, is with comment, you know, like everything is that you see on screen is intentionally there for some reason, right? Right. And with the way that they built up this match, in terms of like the the promo videos and and, and the promos that Star and Devlin have been doing, they very very, in my mind, cleverly 
um, condition the audience to react in a specific way, which the audience did to a T. Um, and I think it was it, it's been perfectly done to, especially in the last video, to use the images of the Tivoli as yes. to, to represent, you know, the the anti WWE um, idea. I don't think that the the fan reaction has been, you know, in terms of going towards Star and turning on Devlin has been as you know organic as some might consider. I think it's definitely been the planned uh, storyline, you know, um, and came off you know to a T here, especially at the end where Star wins the title and you have. People around the, the, the ringside slamming their hands on the mat, like, rhythmically. And I turned to my brother. I was like, this is, this is like, really cult-like and brainwashing. It's, it's like watching a great film. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, super, super. And the match, of course, was excellent as well. Better than the, the two previous Star Devlin matches from oh, yeah. the Tivoli yeah. and even, even the one from Tala. Um, really, really excellent. Um, the only I'll thing tell you what, I was big in, I was big into Star in this match. I was hoping he would win. Yeah, but my God, what a performance by Jordan Devlin! Oh my God, he was so good in this match. Just the crispness of everything he did, jaw jacket with the fans. Oh my God, what a performance to bow out on! Absolutely. The only thing I would say, maybe I wasn't super hard on, was the belt and low blow kind of bullshit in the middle because it didn't even lead to the finish i feel like that happened seven or eight minutes before the match actually ended yeah and i think that kind of that was the one thing that didn't really play well in to me in terms of the story that they were telling like star going getting the belt and then devlin gonna use it and then exchanging low blows and i don't know i i i would have preferred given how complex and how you know how subtle the storytelling was the match itself in those terms got a little bit broad um but it was excellent yeah excellent excellent match the crowd were super super into it maybe even up there with or more so than than walter devlin but i think it's a very different kind of match to walter devlin because walter devlin again in terms of the storytelling was a very simple story it was the the small baby face against the big unbeatable heel this storyline had subtleties to it and had, you know, aspects to it that resulted in, you know, a split crowd reaction. And yeah, I thought I thought it was, I hate to use the word, but I thought it was near perfect. It really was. Uh, yeah, I agree with you about the belt stuff. My problem with the belt stuff was that uh, how long it went. Watching the match back on VOD, Star picks that belt up and there's like two, two un... Uh, non-stop two minutes unbroken up where he's just talking to Foxy about using the belt right um and I didn't mind they did it because and I, I also I did really like that the person who threw the first low blow was Star just to factor into that story that he's still he's he's not some fucking good boy he's still he's still an arsehole well this um, this, like- this was the thing is I, I, I obviously they made a, an announcement the following day or not the following day but the day after Defiant um that Devlin's not going to be on the shows anymore. Whether that's legit or not, I have no idea. Mm. But before that, my thinking was, you know, where this leads, theoretically, is, you know, Star 
con- continues to be the the mustache twirling villain. Haha, you all fell into my trap. You know, I I, I had you in the palm of my hands, <laughs> and it worked. And then Devlin, you know, they say, well, we need Devlin to come back. We need Devlin to come and win them. And Devlin say, well, you just left me high and dry when I needed you. And, and I won't come yeah. back. And it, it's again the perfect uh, continuation of that story. So I don't know if this is the the announcement that Devlin is not going to be on shows anymore is leading in that direction or or what they're doing exactly. But um, interesting, nevertheless. Uh, and they announced also for the next show, obviously, as you said, no WWE guys, Pentagon Junior. and Phoenix Pentagon for the first time. Oh yes, yeah. I'm actually not going to that show. I'm a bit, um, yeah, I'm a bit, I I think I talked about this before. I'm a bit burnt out, and I was like, I'll right, take a month off. I and also I kind of went from zero to sixty this year because I was went from begging OTT to book Pentagon to now I've seen Pentagon five times this year. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be very special in Dublin because I think that crowd is going to be rabid for him. I think they're going to be fucking rabid, especially now that he's coming in hot off the launch of AEW. But uh, yeah, I'm giving this one a miss. Uh, I'll tell you what, who's getting big for his boots? Mr. Joe Cabret, 40 Europeans for a a general admission ticket to that show. Yeah. Um, So are you going, Paul? I am. Yeah, well, because yeah. Barry, I take, I take, I've seen Pentagon Jr. zero times this year, so I'm going oh, to take, take my opportunity. Um, Although I, I, did, take, I, I did love Butch as well at the very end of the show, going, I don't forget, next month, Pentagon Jr., Zero Viedo. I, I did want to go, uh, Butch that is not Z- Zero, that is not a number, it is Zero Viedo. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so Pent- Pentagon Phoenix, Bestia six six six, Speedballer now, and I tell you who's not announced yet, right? Who you might be getting? You might, you, you might get a little bit of the old Mike Quackenbush on that show. Ooh, because he's on his retirement tour at the moment, and he's in Fight Club the night before. Right. So, um, now I'll tell you what: I'll be raging if that happens. I'll be very raging because he because he he is retiring. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that is a, that's going to be a once in a lifetime thing, but mm. um, but still, yes, yeah, you make that. Um, but yeah, uh, and that show sold out, and I'm sure it's going to be a great time back in the old KRFC. So there was also good. a Q and A before the show. I think for the first time since the fan was it, did they do one of fan appreciation? Because I didn't actually go to fan appreciation show. Ah, uh, yeah, they did. It was it, yeah. it it was all right. It was all right. It was I, I was at the one with Keith Lee. The first homecoming in in Sure Road. That was fun. Um, so that should be good crack. Uh, anything else we have to cover? That was OTT, by the way. Um, Very good. Track. I went to Defiant the next day. I won't run down the card, but it was good. Um, Sammy Jane and Raven Creed had another banger. Um, fair play. Um, it did not have. It did not have. Um, the heat of their first one, but it was really great. Uh, Millie McKenzie finally came to OTT. She and Tony Storm had a good match. And then the main event was the Woke Queens against Giselle Shaw and Katie Harvey, which was good again. Uh, they immediately set Valkyrie up as a, a re- for a rematch because she pinned Katie. Um, and uh, Paul, I'm beginning to think that the turnbuckle post in the ringside club is cursed because the very one that Katie Harvey jumped off and broke both her elbows in January, right? Yeah. 
Giselle Shaw goes up and she does her torneo dive, her spinning dive off the top rope. Very cool. Mm-hmm. She does this dive onto the pile of, of women and security and all the other stuff. And we all cheer and like good stuff. And then we look at the pile and there's like a pool of blood um, uh, at the bottom. And it, while doing her twisting dive, she has kneed Debbie Keitel right in the side of the fucking head. And poor Debbie's face was destroyed in blood. It was really horrible looking. And I've, I mean, that's the thing about being in the ringside club. It's so small. Like I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen a wrestler so shook in their life. She was really, she looked like she was really rattled by it. Thankfully it, it looked like it was just a, a cut. Like she posted pictures on her Instagram after the fact, yeah. it looked like it was just a, a cut near her eye rather than the actual eye itself being knocked, knocked in or injured or anything like that. Yeah. But time to no more jumping off that post. It was the exact same post as well. It's cursed, um, uh, so no more of that. But uh, defiant, defiant was a good time as well. So uh, thumbs up. The, the OTT weekenders are always good. Love, love the Sunday shows. Um, I like as so, well yeah. that there were no men's matches at Defiant this year. Yes, they actually stuck to that. That was good. <laughs> anyway. So there you go. That's your show for this week, folks. Uh, yeah, that was the show. Uh, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think. Between now and Christmas, folks, I'll just say it right now. It's going to be tough getting a show done. I have 10 million things on. Uh, so the boys might be thinking it for us here, or we might be doing Monday shows. Uh, but we will uh, We'll certainly have so, uh, shows of some capacity coming out soon. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week in some, in some form or fashion with Eco Guff, the straw review. Um, <laughs> and all that. So if you want to join in, uh, the show it's uh, twitter.com slash chairshot pod at chairshot pod on twitter chairshotpodcast.com if you want to email us and uh, yeah we'll be back next week so until then it's goodbye from me Barry Murphy it's goodbye from Joe Towder goodbye everyone and it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin goodbye goodbye